Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, God is one. Amen. Today, we celebrate the memory, the life, and the patronage of St. Alban, the first recorded martyr that we know of. Tradition is that he is the first martyr in the British Isles. I want to go over three things tonight. One is, who is St. Alban, if anyone is unfamiliar with him or his life? The second is, why do we celebrate saints? What's the deal with saint days? And the third is, why St. Alban for us? So the first, why Saint, or who is St. Alban? There isn't great historical data about St. Alban. We don't have a lot of written resources from his time or from any eyewitnesses. What we have is written down tradition that had been communicated verbally for decades, maybe a century or more. From what we do know about St. Alban in the earliest records and writings about him, he was a native Briton, uh, potentially a Roman citizen. This is when the Roman Empire was still in the British Isles. Uh, they had set up a town called Verulamium, uh, modern-day St. Albans, and Alban lived there as a native. There was a Christian priest in the area who was fleeing persecution. When was this persecution? Who started it? Was it a Roman emperor? Was it a local um, flare-up of persecution against Christians? We don't know. Uh, the earliest date that we have is that this possibly happened in 209, but it certainly didn't happen any later than 315. So between 209 and 315, somewhere in there, we're talking third, fourth century, very early on in the British Isles, uh, right after Christianity has, has made it there and started to spread. So there's a priest on the run. He's known by the local authorities. They're trying to catch him. Somehow he comes to the attention of Alban, who shelters him in his house. Alban is not a Christian, but he does a decent thing and lets this poor man hide in his home. And while he's there for the next several days, the priest is so dedicated day and night to prayer, to devotion to God, uh, to the flock that he's in charge of, that Alban is impressed with this priest, so impressed that he gets to talking with him, and gains from the priest the knowledge of Christ, our true God. When the authorities finally learn where the priest is hiding at Alban's house down the road, they go knock on the door. Alban tells the priest, give me your cloak. Let's switch clothes. You run out the back, and I'll present myself as the one they're hunting. So Alban does that. So he puts on the priest's cloak, He's grabbed by the authorities, drugged to the magistrate, who says, this is Alban. Where's the priest I was hunting? Alban says, I'm the one you're hunting. I also worship the true and living God. I'm a Christian. So, so incensed was the pagan governor um, that he decides a little bit of torture should do the trick to uh, put Alban back in his right senses submits him to torture, Alban, full of the Holy Spirit, endures it with joy and refuses to give up his uh, commitment to this new God, 
Christ. And so it's, it's execution for him. So he's led to, uh, led to a nearby hill for persecution. There are legends about how this trip uh, goes. From very early on, there's a legend that there is a stream in, in the area, the only uh, stream uh, river it could be is the River Ver, most likely. And so he's, uh, he's going, and it's, it's too deep and too violent uh, at the time to cross, and there's a bridge but uh, all the townspeople have come. They've heard that Alban is going to be executed for something. So they're all crowding the bridge. The execution party can't get by. But Alban, so uh, desirous of his um, meeting of Christ, the God that he's uh, learned about now and is committed to, is uh, impatient to get this execution over with. And so he lifts his eyes to heaven and prays, and the water from the river is stopped, and uh, the execution party is able to cross over the river. So they're led up onto a high hill. Albin, in his, uh, through this miracle, through the devotion, beaming with the Holy Spirit, impresses the man who is tasked with executing him so much that he refuses. He throws down his sword and says, whatever Albin has, I, I want it too. I'm, I'm with him. You're going to have to kill me. And so someone else is uh, shoved into the task of executing both of these men now. Um, they do. He does. Uh, they're both executed, Albin and the first executioner. Uh, his head is chopped off, which does mean he was a Roman citizen. And uh, this, as far as we know, is the first Christian blood spilt intentionally by persecution in the British Isles. So that's who Albin is. The story of him uh, spread. Uh, there was a, an early cult of Christians who uh, prayed at the site of his execution and, and where he was buried. And this cult uh, became known to other Christians, even from the continent. We have the story of St. Germanus coming over and visiting Verulamium and the execution site of Alban because he had heard of this. And so that begs the question then, why? Why were Christians gathering at the site of Alban and, and praying there? Why, why were they making a big deal out of this? I mean, it's an inspiring story, but you don't uh, develop a, a faithful group of people praying in your name to God, praying to you, asking for your intercession for them after you're dead and gone, right? So why do Christians, have they always, and in the Orthodox Church still do, pray to the saints who have gone before us? Well, I said, you don't do that to someone who's dead and gone. Sure. True enough, but we don't believe that Alban is dead and gone. We believe Alban has fallen asleep in the Lord. Yes, his body is no longer living. His soul, however, lives on. And the souls of those who are in Christ, who are joined to the body of Christ, have Christ's life in them. And so when they die, their body dies, their soul continues living on, and not in some weak um, uh, sleepy form, but in a, a lively, energetic form. In the book of Revelation, St. John, caught up in his vision, sees martyrs in heaven under the throne of God, actively praying to God and interceding and asking God, when, Lord, are you going to make all things new? When are you going to do your mighty works and acts? That's not soul sleep. 
That's not uh, passive death. That's active life in Christ. And these are souls enriched and enlivened by the life of Christ, waiting for the resurrection to join back together with their bodies and become whole creatures. This is what we believe is in store for Christians. And this is what Christians on earth recognize in the Christians who have gone on. St. Paul talks about Christians who have gone on, who have fallen asleep in their body and their souls are now with Christ. He says the same thing of himself. I really, really, really want to go and be with Christ, i.e., I, I want to, to die. I want to leave this world so that I can be in Christ's presence. But he doesn't hasten that for himself because he had a mission to do. Well, Alban, with no more mission other than to show his devotion to Christ through death, wanted to hasten it. He wanted to show how much he wasn't afraid of death because, assumingly, the priest who is in his house for those several days did a really great job at catechism. I mean, how else do you assent to something so new and be filled so quickly with the Holy Spirit? And that's what we believe was going on with Alban. You don't just make an intellectual decision about, well, actually, I have been, I've been reasoned philosophically into believing in uh, one, one God. He has to be the first principle. Uh, I don't think that's probably what was going on with Alban. I think he was experiencing a priest full of the Holy Spirit preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and Alban hearing it was hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to him. And so that is who St. Alban is. That is why we interact with saints, because they're not dead, they're alive in Christ. And they pray for us. It's right there in Scripture. It's all throughout church tradition. We have, we have many proofs. We have saints who have interacted with us. The, the Blessed Virgin Mary, um, St. Nicholas has appeared to sailors on the open seas, uh, there's actually a, a legend that that St. Germanus, who came from the continent, visited the shrine at, at St. Albans, and then was trying to make it back to the continent across the channel. There was a storm. He asked Alban to intercede with him and had a vision of Alban. So the saints are active. That's why we have saint days. That's why we believe in the communion of saints. We say it in the Apostles' Creed. But why Alban for us? And this is the third thing I wanted to say. Our identity as a parish from very early, almost from the, the beginning, was rooted in the history of Christianity in the British Isles. Why is that? Well, for one thing, we're English speakers. And English speakers all are indebted to England and the British Isles. Uh, that means, you know, half the world or so has a connection to this tiny island in the North Atlantic off the coast of continental Europe which is remarkable if you think about it. So as English speakers, we have a connection. We are Americans. Now, like it or not, uh, America was largely founded by people coming from the British Isles, from English folks, right? Uh, so our, our system of law, uh, our culture, in addition to our language, comes from this place. But so too does our Christian tradition now, when we planted, we were an Anglican tradition church. The American Episcopalian Church comes from this tradition. Uh, and this tradition is uh, a long and, and, and 
multifaceted, multidimensional story. It's, it's fascinating, but it's too much to talk about. But suffice it to say, it has its roots in that early Christianity among the native Britons who were there before the Romans even left. And then the, Ang and the Angles and Saxons came in and, and then the Danes and, and then eventually the Normans and, oh, it was a whole thing. But there at the beginning of it all was the blood of Alban on the ground. The blood of Alban pierced the soil of England, of Great Britain, and spread. So too did the Holy Spirit with it. So too did the message of Christ and the gospel. And because we stand in that long tradition, looking back to sort of the beginning of it, who do we find but Alban? And so it made sense to us to make Alban our patron. And we have, and for years now, we have been walking into this building or the previous building we were in, approaching his icon there, kissing it, and asking him to pray for us as a community. For years, he has been praying for us as a community. His patronage is now well-established, and we continue on under his patronage gratefully, giving thanks for his witness, for the power of the Holy Spirit in his life, in his death, really. We don't know anything about his life, but when the Holy Spirit entered into his life and transformed it and immediately took him to a glorious martyrdom. And that, that's enough. We don't need to know the details of his birth, of his family, of his uh, profession. We don't need to know anything more than this man was so transformed by the Holy Spirit that he, as far as we know, knowing no other Christians, alone, even the priest who, who delivered the faith to him by this point had fled. Tradition is that the priest was later caught and also martyred. But Alban at this point stood alone among his friends, his neighbors, among the authorities. He had no one but Christ himself to keep him company in this moment. Well, that's not entirely true. He had the saints. He had the saints alive in Christ gathered around him in a communion. His body, the body of which he was now a part, to, to comfort him in his final steps as he knelt down and took a sword to the neck and met his Savior. So it's his patronage that we're here tonight to celebrate and to give thanks to God for. That's who he is. That's why, as a saint, we pray to him, and that's why he, as a patron, makes so much sense for us and why we, uh, why we thank God to be under his cloud of prayer. Thank God for St. Albert. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.